0: garden, the Garden of Eden. And there's so much in there. I've, I've been back in there recently and uh, you just you just seem to miss so much. I, I could spend um, several hours there I think just uh, um, speaking this morning but we'll try and keep it to a reasonable amount of time. So the very last verse. So I want you to do this morning just... Um, I might challenge you a little bit in terms of your thinking. So, so be prepared that that which you've believed before or that which you've understood before, that you might have to think differently. Now Brian's worried now. <laughs> <laughs> and he can correct me afterwards. So, verse 31... See, there's a question in my mind that has often been there. We'll we'll, we'll come to the questions, and questions are good. Yes, they are. Questions are good. Jesus asked lots of questions, didn't he? He often didn't give answers. He he just asked questions. Verse 31, And God saw everything that he had made, Mm. and behold, it was very good. Amen. Chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. What we just read? Everything that God made was very good. See, I've often, so the question I've had in my in, in my mind often, I thought, how did the serpent deceive? Because we as soon as we read the word serpent, what comes into our mind? Well the snake, but what's what's the what, what do we think of? What who do we think of? We think of the enemy, we think of Satan. But what does God say about his creation? Very good. It was very good. He says the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. But verse 31 of chapter 1 says everything that he made was very good. Was very good. So keep that in mind. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And see, we know the answer to that, don't we? Because we've we've read that so many times and we've gone through that passage so many so many times that it's it's almost like we don't even need to read the rest of it because we know what the answer is. Of course didn't, the God didn't say that you couldn't eat any of anything in the garden, of any tree. But he's just starting to sow the doubt. Well, why is he asking that? He was crafty. So the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. What was wrong with that statement? What was wrong with that statement? we could do spot the difference this morning, couldn't we? (laughs) I like spot the difference. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So there's a little side point, little avenue we won't go down there at the moment. But um, um, it's good to work. God made a garden, put Adam in it, and his, his purpose was to work it. Yeah. It's good to work. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You shall surely eat of every tree of the garden. So Eve knew immediately that that bit was wrong, when the, the serpent said something. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, eat of it, you shall surely die. So what's the difference? Who spotted the difference? Touch. touch. Well done, Janet. Yeah, touch. Touch. So somewhere between God speaking to Adam and saying, You shall not eat. ...of the tree... ...that's been interpreted by Eve... ...does not only... ...shall you not eat of it... ...but you can't... ...touch... ...it either... ...so the serpent being a crafty... ...serpent... ...and we all have a picture of a snake... ...don't we... ...but but I, I don't know what it looked like... ...exactly in those days... ...because God... ...we know that after the fall... That God um, said to the serpent that you'll crawl on your belly. So I don't know, I, you know, I'm not going to try and guess, second guess what it looked. But I can imagine the serpent. You, you, um, you know, when you tell your kids not to do something, and they're sort of like there, just just leaning. They, you say don't touch something, and, that, and they're sort of like they're almost touching it, but not not quite. But you can imagine that the serpent was there. And you saying, well, I don't know, you say this This was um, the fruit in the tree. Well, it, it, you know, looks all right to me, doesn't it? I haven't died. Nothing's happened to me. I was on the train home the other because I work in London, and um, I was on the train home the other day, and uh, um, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, and um, I was just thinking about what to speak this this Sunday. And um, God just said three words to me just as I was getting off the train. And the three words he said was, Has God said? Has God said? See, we need to know, don't we? The enemy is incredibly crafty. Incredibly crafty. I've looked into some of the background in terms of this and there's there's differing views as to why there is that differential between the two. But the sense I got, there's a, there's a, a guy whose commentary I read about this and I thought, yeah, that makes sense. Adam wanted to protect his wife. He wanted to look after his wife. He wanted to nurture her. So somehow, although it doesn't say it, and you can debate otherwise, and I'm happy to to have that debate and whatever else, it doesn't actually state it. But I know I want to look after my wife. As a good husband, sometimes, I want to look after my wife. I want to do the best for her. And I'm absolutely sure Adam was exactly the same. And he, at the time, didn't think that he was adding anything to God's word. But the serpent knew. The serpent knew that what he'd spoken was that added bit of protection to his wife, which had almost put a... a, a, Let's put a fence around it. You could almost imagine just, you know... a, a. little white picket fence or something round the tr- round the tree that's in the midst of the garden because that's just a symbol, look, we don't go anywhere near that tree. Just 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 a you know, an aid memoir. We'll put something there that, 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 that just stops us from thinking that actually we can touch it, but we can't eat of it. God said don't eat of it. More and more in these days, it's, it's just, I, I know quite often we, we'll quote scripture, and, we, and then you look, look back and you think, actually, I've not quoted that exactly right. <laughs> yes. I've got a sense of it. And it just hit me, I hadn't, I hadn't noticed, so Janet, well done to Janet, she's a much more of a Bible scholar than me, but I hadn't noticed that before. And it was, it was sometimes when you read something, it's like when you read in the, the, the Gospels, and you read, um, um, how they're quoting the Old Testament. And that, so I sometimes go back and look into that, into the context as to, well, what was that about? And, uh, in terms of just compare and contrast. And it's good to make sure that we're actually quoting what God has said. What God has said. So as he said to me, has God said... Has God said? See, in the temptations, when, when um, Satan then tried to tempt Jesus, again, he, it was effectively, Has God said? And Jesus quoted Scripture back at him for two of the temptations. He quoted Scripture back at him. No, no, this is what God said. This is what God has said. He will try and twist it He will try and speak something different to you. There's another story that um, we'll just um, quickly go to. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. See, I love... this story, there's so much in it. We, we, um, Robin, my wife, and I were, were at a, a conference yesterday um, all day, and it was um, uh, uh, run by Stu and Chloe Glasbro from um, Catch the Fire London. Um, and their message is, is, is very much on on the, the Father's heart, but, um, but also, you know, they, they, they're clear that they're not just about God the Father. God the Father is one-third of the Trinity, um, and um, one of the things they were picking up yesterday was around um, the orphan spirit. Um, and they were picking that theme out of this story. But I want to pick something completely different out of this story. Um, so, verse 22. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat. So, we, so we, context. Um, he just fed 5,000. If you read the, the verse before, and those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat. And go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to a mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. And um, interesting, that's the, that the, the previous time to when God was alone was the temptations. When Sorry, when Jesus was alone was the temptations. That was the only other time that he was completely alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, so the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. So there's quite a time difference there. I don't know the exact time difference, but it says that um, when evening came, he was alone. So he'd, he'd already got rid of the disciples, or, uh, and it literally means immediately he made the disciples. He actually you know, physically got rid of them. Um, and he dispersed the people. Um, and he was he was there alone. So from and then it says sorry, and then it says then there was evening, and then it talks about the fourth watch of the night, and the fourth watch of the night is three hours before dawn. So so that from the evening, I you know I don't know the exact time period between the, the the two, but it would have been I don't know seven eight hours maybe I don't know I don't know. So again, Janet, how many hours is it between the two? Um, so, in the fourth watch of the night, he came to him walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said to them, It is a ghost. Which is a, an amazing thing to say, isn't it? Now, yesterday, um, um, Chloe was speaking and she showed us a YouTube video of a fishing boat um, um, being tossed and turned on the waves. Um, and um, you could just, you know, they, they were fishermen, they were used to. Um, um, the waves and whatever else. But but obviously this was a fairly bad storm. And if you just, the, the picture, I probably should have looked it up uh, uh, and, and got it up for you. But just this, um, fishing boat being tossed around on the waves. It wasn't, you know, we have this idea that there was this nice calm and Jesus just walking along and whatever else. But no, the, the, it just put it in your mind. This, they had this little fishing boat and it was being tossed around in the waves, really, um, you know, vicious waves. So you can imagine that that at some points when they were on the heights of the wave, they could see this thing coming towards them. But then when they were down in the, the, um, below the waves, they probably, you know, for a few seconds, didn't see Jesus again. So we weren't quite sure what... What was, coming, um, what was coming to them? And Jesus hadn't walked on water before, so they, you know, as far as they were concerned, so you could you picture it in the boat, the, these, these disciples in the boat. Um, you know, what would be your reaction of just suddenly seeing somebody? You've never seen anybody do this before. There's no recorded um, um, evidence in the, in the Old Testament. You know, the other t- only other times that they walked through, through water, it was through it because God had parted it. No one had actually ever walked on it before. So you you can imagine, it. you know, just picture yourself in that boat. When the disciples saw him, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And uh, I was listening to someone the other day uh, so again someone um, speaking on on this particular one, and they were saying, "Well, actually, if they truly believed if the disciples truly believed it was a ghost, then if it was an evil spirit ghost and they would have they would have believed in 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 um, those sorts of things they knew about the afterlife and stuff, and the, the, uh, you know why would they have come up with the word ghost if they hadn 't believed in such things but um If it was an evil spirit, the evil spirit would have said, of course, it's I, you know, be of comfort, be of good cheer sort of thing. But there was something about Jesus' voice, wasn't there, which Peter recognised. And Peter answered, Lord, if it is you, he's not convinced, is he? If it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. So Peter, in his madness... Anyone else willing to get out the boat? So Peter got out the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. For when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. I I just think this is such a funny phrase, beginning to sink. You know the cartoons that you see whereby... What's the roadrunner and is it um, the, uh, the coyote thing which... Yeah, 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 that's the one. And you know that when when they're they're running and then and then suddenly he's gone off the edge of the cliff. And the, in the cartoon, um, it just stops for a minute as he looks round, and then then there's the realisation that he's that he's run out into absolute nothing, and then straight down and, and you know for his before his next uh, chase of uh, um, Roadrunner. I'm telling my age now. I haven't seen Roadrunner for years. You youngsters probably don't know, but I'm sure there's other cartoons with such things in. But it says that he was beginning to sink. <laughs> I'd have thought if you're on the water, it's not like he's on a sort of a, a, a gradual lift down, is it? If you suddenly realize that, that things. So I haven't quite got my head round that one, but um, somehow he, he, he knew that he was beginning to sink, that he was beginning to fall. And so he cried out. Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And the word that, that, that I want to just quickly look at, and uh, then we'll finish, is, is the word doubt. Because interestingly, again, just looking up this word, Um, Just quoting from someone, doubt, a fascinating insight into the subject of doubt can be gained from examining the root root words themselves as always in Torah. The Hebrew word for doubt is saphek and for certainty, vadai. Amazingly, these commonly used words are not to be found in the entire biblical writings. Nowhere does the Torah mention the Hebrew form's Um, for doubt or certainty. Both those words are of rabbinic origin. And the word that they've used there in the Greek is distazo, which means to stand in two ways, implying uncertainty which way to take. So 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 the, the word that's been used is that he's uncertain about which way to take. And this, the, the the guy goes on to say it's a distasto is a verb about wavering, hesitating, delaying. It's not about mental confusion or questioning. See, so we read that doubt immediately as thinking. Um, that, so because of our understanding of what the word doubt means, um, and um, I went into Vine's um, um, New Testament words, and there's doubt. You, there's five different um, words for doubt in the New Testament. And this one, distazo, um, as I say, means uncertainty in which way to take. So it's not about mental confusion or questioning. It's about lack of action. So effectively, when Jesus extends his hand to pull Peter from the waves, he does not ask Peter, um, sorry, he does not ask if Peter's cognitive framework is confused. He asks why Peter didn't follow through. He asked why Peter didn't follow through. Effectively, Peter, why did you stop? I said, come. Why was your faith so small that effectively, rather, it's not a, it's not a mental thing in terms of doubting, it was a wavering in which way to go. A hesitating. Why did you stop, Peter. Why did you stop? That's why he said, Oh, ye of little faith, why did you stop? The, sorry, the way that he's put it is he asks, Why Peter didn't follow through? Why didn't you keep walking? Which I suppose is, is, is the same in, in terms of it. this kind of doubt. So, this is reading from this, this, quoting from this guy this kind of doubt has nothing to do with our mind. It's not Greek, it's Hebrew. Reading Matthew fourteen thirty one as if it involves the Greek idea of mental confusion is importing a paradigm into the interpretation of the text. Has God said? See what he said to what he said to Adam was then translated into something different. In terms of um, um, Eve's understanding, and then then being able to quote what what Jesus said to Peter. Peter didn't follow through, in totality. See the second he stopped. There's something about our action. Faith is about action. It's not about mental capacity. It's not about what we understand. It's not about acquiring something. It's about God speaking. Has God said? God speaks it. And then I follow through in my action. And complete my action to what God has said. I think that's really important. I think it's really important in these days when, you know, and go back and read the stuff yourself. Don't just trust what you've heard this morning from me. Go and read it yourself. Challenge your own thinking. See what God has actually said in terms of that. Time's gone, so let's let's just wrap it up then and uh, and finish in terms of. I just felt as I was um, um, praying over the last couple of days and and then last night that that, that God said that there's, there's some people here that God has said something, and you know it. You know that God has said something, and you're at that point whereby you are beginning to sink. And there's a shout of, Lord, save me. But I want to say this morning, I want to say, if that's you this morning, just continue with what God has asked you to do. Has God said? If He said it, He is more than able to perform that which is needed. In Peter's case, a miracle, because He was walking on water. Everything we do day by day, in some ways, is a miracle has god said it has god said it don't add to it like like adam did for eve don't take away from it either maybe should we just uh, actually let's just close our eyes for a minute Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come. Come, Holy Spirit. And just speak to hearts right now. For those people, Lord, where you've spoken something into their lives. You've said for them to do something. And at this point in time... It seems like circumstances around them are so much bigger and are likely to push them off course. I just pray, Lord, that they would have this mental strength just to be able to say, "I'm coming, Lord Jesus. I'm coming, Lord Jesus." Just, just if that's you, if that's you, you know, I'm sure there'll be teams afterwards who can, who can pray with you or whatever else. But just you do business with God now. You know if that's you. What's God said to you? What's he been saying to you? Have you followed through? Have you fulfilled that what he's asked you to do? It's as much a challenge to me as it is to you, Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you speak truth, lord and it's you speak an action gospel, Lord, you ask us to do stuff that we 're more than able to do if we do it in your strength, not ours. So Father, I just, I just pray that for everybody here who knows that you've spoken something into their lives and circumstances seem to be, waves seem to be tossing them around, it seems that they're on unsure footing. Father, that you would just come along right now and speak that word again into their lives so that they are absolutely clear of the way to go. Has God said? Has God said? Thank you, Lord. We're good. We're good. Amen.